0: Amen,
1: hallelujah, give it up for Jesus. You guys can take a seat. Welcome to church. Hallelujah, amen. Our wonderful Joe, Pastor Joe, is on vacation. I have the honor of giving the message here for second service. Okay, so this doesn't happen often, but I'm excited. All right, praise God. Welcome to the second service. My name is Rudy Salt. I am a pastoral intern here, and I've been serving at this church since 2011. Got saved in 2011, started serving shortly after, became a deacon, I think, in 2012. I've been a deacon since. Um, And God has been good to me, amen? And and what I want to do today is help everybody here understand the goodness of God, to fear God, to seek His kingdom first, and watch how He takes care of you. Because God will take care of you if you put his business first. Amen? So today we're going to be working in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62 as our base scripture for today. For me, messages that talk about um, selflessness, giving up of yourself, is the messages that hit home for me. Because it's messages like that and, and what I received is what made me the man I am today. When I came to know Jesus, I was an atheist. I didn't, I didn't believe in God. And it was because of messages like we're going to get into today that made me deny myself and forget about everything I knew before and allow me to leave it behind and seek the one that created me. So let's get into it today. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, talking to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. That's what the man said. And then Jesus wasn't like, yeah, thank you so much. I've been looking for followers, man. Praise God. No. He said, foxes have dens and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So this already goes against a seeker-sensitive church or a seeker-sensitive model of doing church. Like, we're not here so that you may have the most comfort you can have at the expense of Jesus' sacrifice. No. Moving on, 59, he said to the other man, Jesus said to the other man, follow me. Notice how the first man went up to Jesus and said, I'll follow you. I'll follow you wherever you go. Then Jesus turned to another man, and he said, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And then Jesus is compassionate, but he wasn't like, okay, sure, I'll wait here for you. No, he says, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go. And proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus ain't playing. He's really telling these people that are desiring to follow him, know what you're asking for. Know what you're saying. Because you saying, follow me, there's going to come some stuff that you're going to have to overcome. Mainly your pride and your selfishness and all that stuff to turn it into selflessness. Know what you're asking for. He says, let the dead bury their own dead. But you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Verse 61... Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Again, Jesus could have said, yeah, sure, I'll wait here for you. But Jesus says, no one who puts a hand to the plow looks back and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. (coughs) The words of Jesus. He said, no one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service. Before I get into this message and start to break it down so we all understand what Jesus is saying to the people who want to follow him, let's understand something. We are in a wicked, dry, deserted land that the devil is having his way through people all around our city and our country, and what are Christians going to do about it? I got to explain what put your hand to the plow looks like and feels like, and what does it mean for your life? Well, picture, everybody, picture your own field, but we're all on the same field, but picture what it is that you've got to do on this field that we're plowing. Jesus was giving them a picture to put in their head. All of us have a job and a duty to do, and nothing that I'm saying today is saying that you've got to do this to be saved. None of that. I'm not saying that you've got to do work to be saved. What I'm saying is this, you say you want to follow Jesus, there is something that you have to do, something that you have to understand when you say, I want to follow Jesus. It's not just coming to church, having a good time, clapping your hands and singing about the songs that you don't normally live your life like. Like you sing, it's your breath in my lungs, but yet you may cuss Monday through Saturday. It may just be songs today, but where is it? where are you putting your hand to the plow at? Your plow, your field may be your job, your your field may be here at at the church in a certain ministry, but all of us are meant to plow this field called earth, and this field called America, and this field called Chicago. All of us are called to plow this field for the kingdom of God, every single one of us. And if we're not understanding that, then you're not understanding what you're you're saying to Jesus. Because you may come here and be like, yeah, I love Jesus, I'm here to follow Jesus, But if you're not willing to work on the field with the saints, with the kingdom ambassadors, the kingdom citizens, and you're not really understanding why Jesus came to establish his kingdom on earth right now. Even though it's invisible right now, you're not understanding what the kingdom of God is like. The first point I want to make, it's building God's kingdom, not your own. I know Griselda was even talking about this. The Holy Spirit speaking this morning, amen, that it's not about God. It's it's not about God. Our kingdom, God. It's not about God. What, what can you do for me? It's about God's will. It's about what He wants. It's about how we can surrender our lives to Him and not saying, God, surrender yourself for us. No. Next, brothers, we're going to go to John chapter 6, verse 48. In this, in this, um, Stay there. But in this, in this verse that we went to in Luke 9, the first man, he said, I will follow you wherever you go. That's what he told Jesus. And what did Jesus say? Well, foxes have dens; That's where they stay. Birds have nests. That's where they stay. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. The first man wanted Jesus to cater to him. And he focused on only the necessities of life. Just like foxes have dens, they need their dens. Birds have nests, they need their nests. And something so beautiful is that how come all of creation obeys God, but humanity has such a hard time? The bird knows to lay its nest and and knows its place in in nature, but humanity has such a hard time following following the orders of Jesus. Everything has its place, even though honeybees have their place to make things grow, but humanity has such a hard time. The first man wanted Jesus to cater to him. They wanted Jesus just to do what they thought best. Like, when I speak, God, you have to move. Like, hold on, when when were we God? When, when When did we turn into God? We're not God to start ordering our creator to do stuff for us. But the first man wanted just the necessities of life to be filled up for him, like make God, life is horrible, God, make it happen, Jesus, make it happen, Jesus. Like, that's not, when we say we follow Jesus, it's us following Jesus, not Jesus following us. And we're making our own plans for our life, and we're saying, man, this is great, make it happen, Jesus. Oh, this looks like a good opportunity, make it happen, Jesus. But hold on, let's go to our prayer closet and find out what it's like to seek first the kingdom. What is it like to plow this field you told me to plow? Because it's not God plowing our field. Like, God making a way for just to to give us the stuff of this life and blessings and stuff. See, following God is not just about that, like her sister Griselda was talking about. Yes, God gives us great, wonderful things and great blessings, but that's not the end-all be-all. God is more than just a possession blesser. So let's read this in John chapter 6, starting in verse 48. Holy Spirit speaking. John, are we there? Should have worn my glasses. Amen. Verse 48, Jesus speaking. Let me just give the context before we get into what he's saying. I'm the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. Of course, Jesus came to get followers, people to follow him, obey him, and stuff like that. So before this verse, in in verse 48, let's understand something. Jesus was teaching all these people everything, everything that he thought they needed to know. He met them with physical food. At one time, they're like, we don't know how we're going to feed all these people. Jesus, there's so many. But he fed all 5,000 men plus their families with, with uh, three loaves and two fish, I believe it was. He fed them all. They had their fill. The next day, Jesus left them, and, and he went off and, to, to, to pray and stuff. And then they're looking for him. Like, hey, where'd you go, Jesus? They're looking for him. Then they find him. And then Jesus says, you're looking for me. Not because of who I am, but because you ate and had your fill. You only want to get filled. You only want the necessities of life. You only want me to do stuff for you. So then he takes the opportunity while they're desperate. They're like, give us more of that food, Jesus. It was great. While they're desperate, he he turns it into a teaching moment. Yes, Jesus can bless us with great things. And all of us have experienced the wonders and, and, and goodness that God has for us in this life. We have families. We get to have children that are miracles. We get to have marriage. We get to have relationships that, are, that, that benefit us and benefit others. We get to have jobs. We get to go to amazing church. We get to have safety and peace. We don't like, Here in America, we're not under any dictatorship. We, get, we all get to experience the blessings of God, just like these 5,000 men did experience the blessing of God. So Jesus, while they were desperate and they were looking for him, he wants to teach them. After, this is what he says, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. He's talking to these people because they know that part of the story of Moses leading the Egyptians from Egypt and spending 40 years in the desert, God provided the food for them. So, Jesus is using the context of their story, their ancestors' story, their history, and He's telling them, "Your, Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven. Jesus is saying, Here is that bread that comes down from heaven. The same way that bread fed your ancestors in the wilderness, coming from God. Here is that bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. Jesus is starting to paint a picture for them, like, you're just focused on the necessities, but you don't even know who you're talking to. He says, here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. This is where they started to get offended, right? Because he started, he, he started to say, he ultimately came from god the father and they started to get offended whoever eats this bread will live forever this bread is my flesh which i gave for the life of the world then the jews began to argue sharply so you know they were offended how can this man give us his flesh to eat mind you he just fed them they're already offended they're arguing how what is is this man talking about Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. I just love the fact that Jesus knew how to push their buttons because apparently they didn't like the fact that he was the bread that came, out, come, came down from heaven. But Jesus repeats it like five times. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He says it again. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Again, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Again, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Again. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Think about this. He knew that they didn't like that teaching. He knew that they weren't ready. But he kept on saying, like, he used their story to say, you're just focused on the necessities, but think about who you're talking to. He is the bread of life. The same way their ancestors survived and lived in that desert is the same way when we say we're going to follow Jesus, that's how we're going to survive and live in this deserted land called earth. And he's not talking about just temporary stuff. He's talking about eternal stuff. So that first man, he wanted Jesus to cater to him just like these 5,000 men, but they weren't ready for the kingdom message because they wanted God on their terms. They said, Jesus, we just want you to feed us. Like, we just want the food. We just want the healing. We just want the here and now. We don't want the teaching about who you are. They don't even care about who he is at this point. Keep scrolling down, brothers. We're going to continue. But they don't care about who Jesus is at this point. They just wanted their fill. And Jesus called them out even before they got offended. He says, You're only looking for me because you had your fill. Brothers and sisters, we can't just look for Jesus in times of life because we seem empty and dry. Because then we're not even knowing who we're talking to. So many times I talk to people on the street and and they say, yeah, I pray every night. And I'm like, who are you praying to? Because they don't follow Jesus. They don't even read the Bible. They don't even know who Jesus is. But they're like, yeah, I pray every night. I thank God every night. Who are you praying to? Because a person like that, that doesn't put put time and effort into knowing who Jesus is, a person like that that wants to pray every night, like, oh, I did it, it's done. They just want their fill. They just want Jesus to cater to them. And this message is about us understanding why are we even here? Why are we at church? Why are we trying to to understand who God is? And if that's even why you're coming here, you may just come here because you want your fill. I drive by some churches and and they just say, come get spiritually filled on the side. And that's not the end all be all either. It's not just about, God, what can you do for me now? It's about more than that. And the the, the goal of this message is for us to understand, let's be kingdom-minded and kingdom-focused because it's true. The kingdom of God is not something we can observe with our eyes right now as far as, man, this is a beautiful kingdom. The kingdom of God is found in the church. Not just this little building here, but it's found in the church. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Jesus, we just wanted our fill, and you had to go ahead and teach us some crazy stuff like that. We want us to eat your flesh and drink your blood. Who can accept it? His disciples. People that said, I'll follow you. People that said, I'll learn from you. I'll be your student. They said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit. They can't even get it. Every word that he spoke to them is full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. You see? He says these words I just spoke, they're full of the Spirit, but they're so focused on what? The necessities. God, give me my own den to lay in. Give me my own nest to lay in. God, give me what I need now. So, Jesus is serious, so we should be serious as well. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back from this time, from this teaching that was too hard to understand or too too difficult to, to grasp and follow, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him because of the message he had to say. Then Jesus says, you don't want to leave too, do you? And he asked his closest people, his 12 He said, you don't want to leave too, do you? Like these 5,000 men and their families, probably 15,000 in all, teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. He turns to his 12 that spent the most time with him. Spent the most time with him. They weren't just there for Jesus to have their fill. He says, you want to leave too? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have come to. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter wasn't saying like, "Oh yeah, sure. I only came because I was hungry." No, he he said, "Where else can we go if if you not only have stuff to help us now in our lives, but you have the words of eternal life?" Where they're turning back to something that they thought was a better way of life, Jesus. But me, this is the best life. When I decided to follow Jesus, I had no problem leaving my. My, my worldly and sinful life in the past because I knew that this is the best place to be. To be in the arms of Jesus, no matter what opposition may come, what, no matter what persecution may come, no matter who wants to hurt me, I know that I'm in the best place to be because Peter was even looking at these men get offended at Jesus. And he still decided to follow. Later on, Peter didn't want to fess up to knowing Jesus when Jesus was getting crucified, but he got rebuked and he got right, amen. Amen. But let's not be those kind of people that say, well, it got too hard. So don't be like that first man. Don't follow Jesus what he can, for what he can do for you. Follow Jesus on what you can do for him because he has the words of eternal life. And me, I counted all the loss for the sake of just knowing God forget every sinful thing because how dare I try to say I'll follow you Jesus and and carry my baggage with me no I'm willing to leave it it behind I had nothing else to go to like those 5,000 men they're like oh we just came to this man because he was going to feed us and fill us but now he's teaching some crazy stuff forget him but Peter was in the right place and his 12 were in the right place because he knew and they knew we got nowhere else to go you got the words of eternal life and that settles it want to live forever The second point I want to make is make the kingdom of God your priority. And we're going to go to Matthew 10, 37, starting off. The second man says this. Well, first, Jesus said to the other man, follow me. But the second man said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. You see, that second man that Jesus spoke to, he just wanted Jesus to wait for him. He, he, the kingdom of God wasn't a priority for him, but the kingdom of God should not be put on hold because of the stuff that we're, we're trying to work on before we get into that field that he's telling us to plow. Such a selfish thing. Like, Jesus, I know you're trying to save people. Jesus, I know you're, I know you're trying to build the kingdom of God in, in, on this earth. Jesus, I know you're trying to fix Chicago with your saints, but first, Lord, let me go deal with my stuff. You see, here's the thing. Even though... We want to put that on hold. The kingdom of God is never put on hold. The kingdom of God is going to continue to to flood this earth with or without you. And again, I'm not saying you're not going to be saved just from saying, let me go do something first. But how much are you really understanding the kingdom of god how much are you in the kingdom of god and how much are you a citizen or an ambassador of this invisible kingdom of god which is the biggest kingdom upon the earth because last time i checked japan ends at japan and america is america but the kingdom of god goes over all the world family cannot be before god in his kingdom matthew 10:37 this is why jesus is saying this he's speaking about kingdom principles to let people who are so physically minded, understand and grasp the things of the kingdom. Because this message is against a lot of messages. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. A lot of times people try to say, oh, religions, they're all the same. They have the same message. No, a lot of religions won't even say that. You got to take up your cross and, and, and follow me. A lot of religions won't say that. It'll just be about how you're, how you're going to be a good person. This is so opposite and different of that because you are saying, hey, you, forget your life. Consider it worth dead. Take up your cross. Just like Jesus took up his cross and, and, and he carried it to, to um, Mount Golgotha. Hung on that cross, he's saying, Take up your cross, and you follow him. You see, this man, he wanted to go and bury his father first. Like, God, you know, family's important. God, you know, it's important to me, it's all we got. But Jesus is saying something that is far greater than family, because though family comes and goes and lives and dies, the kingdom of God is forever. Family can't be before God. So, my question is today where are your priorities? Are you going to go ahead and, 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 and take the back seat, twiddle your thumbs, and just watch the move of God happen? While revival's happening, you're, you're over here in the back because you don't know how to truly commit yourself to God? Or are we going to say, God, I'm ready? Whatever you plan to do, Jesus, count me in. I'm putting my hand to the plow. I'm going to work because I'm not going to be sitting in the back twiddling my thumbs because I wasn't ready yet. Jesus said, follow me. He'll teach you. He'll teach you. He had to teach regular old men. They weren't Pharisees. They weren't leaders and and teachers of the law. They were regular old people, tax collectors, fishermen, how to start the biggest movement this world has ever seen. Surely God can use you, even if you're a fisherman. God could use you. If you work at Family Dollar, God could use you. God has bigger plans than just uh, fishing for fish. God wanted Peter to be a fisher of men. So God has a plan for anybody. My encouragement is this. Is your priority the kingdom of God or is your priority something else? Like, yeah, Jesus, I'll get to it. I just got to do this first. Yeah, I'll, get, I'll, get to, I'll, I'll be a deacon. Let me just handle this first. Oh, being a deacon, you guys are asking too much of me. Let me, just, let me just take the back seat right now. Let me make every excuse, Jesus. Let me go do this. Let me go do this. Let me go do that. Look, Jesus is moving on with or without you. In 2019, before COVID even hit, there was a word given, a prophetic word in the service given, and the word was this, I am doing a new thing. You can't be standing on the outside looking in. You got to be in it. I am doing a new thing. Little did we know we would have to stand up in the face of persecution, BLM, just opening up our doors even though the sickness was going around. So much opposition and that was what God was doing, that new thing, and so many people standing on the outside and looked in and like, man, this is horrible. This is this is what you call church. You see, when we're not with the move of God, we're gonna understand it as I'm I'm good. I don't I don't wanna be part of that if I'm gonna offend people. The gospel offends people, y'all. The gospel will offend people, step on people's toes, make them feel like they're not even a Christian or make them feel like God hates them. But listen, the gospel is the message that Jesus loves people. And sometimes to tell people how to be saved, we got to tell them how they're going to hell. They're going to hell full of sin, wickedness, brokenness. This is a time we have now. The time is now to not say, I'm going to just take the back seat. I'm going to just take my time. I'm going to stand, stand to the side and let you do your thing, Jesus, because the thing is the kingdom of God will go on. But are you willing to let God use you for his glory? Let's go to Hebrews 3, starting in verse 16. I want to encourage everybody real quick. When we, I'll, I'll go to this verse in Hebrews. I want you guys to understand that your time here is so, so small. Your time here upon this earth is so, so small. To think that you would put all your eggs in this basket and say, God, get out. God, I don't want you here. God, I don't want you to mess with my perfect life. To think that we would say, I'm going to just have all my treasures here. God, don't ask me to give up anything. It's it's beyond me. When I gave my life to Jesus, it wasn't like, well, I'm going to have my stuff here, God, and and, and you can't touch this stuff. No, it's full surrender. So I want to encourage you guys, as we get into this verse in Hebrews 3.16... Work hard for Jesus so that you can rest hard for Jesus. Who were they who rebelled and heard? Were they not all those Moses' led out of Egypt? And with whom was he he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Let's stop there. We're going to continue. But he's saying, is it not these people that seen the the miracles and works of God in action, but they still disobeyed, disbelief, weren't with it, did not understand what what, what God was doing? It was to those people who were disobedient, even though they seen the crazy plagues of Egypt and seen the Red Sea part, and they all walked through it, and, and the Egyptians were drowned, They disobeyed. And what God said is, you will never, you who disobeyed will never enter my rest. That's why you guys are going to be in this wilderness for 40 years. Therefore, verse 1, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you are to be found fallen short of it. Don't be found fallen short of entering his rest. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them. Why? Because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. They weren't on the same level. That's why they didn't enter the rest. They didn't share that same belief and faith of those who obeyed. So they never get to enter the rest. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Just as God said, so I declared on oath in my anger. So they never enter my rest. Think about that. We're here in church. We could be here for the wrong reasons. We could say we're a child of God but live like a child of the devil. We can be so confused and conflicted with what's right and what's wrong, even while we hear the word of God to us preached all the time. But we don't share the faith of those who obeyed. If you're sitting here today and you don't share my faith, that I obey Jesus, that I follow him for the right reasons, you may not enter his rest. You may not be willing to put in work for the kingdom because in your mind, you may be like the first man that says, well, God, make it happen. Jesus, make it happen. Jesus, I'm here for what you can give me. Jesus, make it happen. You don't you don't share that faith with me because I don't believe like that. Matter of fact, I want to be like, God, I'm going to make it happen. God, I'm going to make it happen. Even though I don't, I don't want to be on that stage right now, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to preach. Even though I don't want to talk to that man about Jesus, I'm going to make it happen. Even though going through 201 is hard and becoming a deacon, there's so many responsibilities. I'm going to make it happen because at the end of the day, it's not about, God, what can you do to better my life and and just help me out in the here and now make it happen, Jesus? It's what can we do for Jesus? Because a person that thinks like that is kingdom-focused and not self-focused. So I want to encourage you to work hard for Jesus and learn how to rest hard because at the end, we're going to rest hard, okay? We're going to be able to rest eternally because we have decided it's better to put in work for the kingdom now, put our hand to the plow, than look back and say, you know what? I, I had a better life before I knew Jesus. It's better to work hard now. So go through one-on-one in excellence. Go through 201 in excellence. Lead ministries when you're a deacon in excellence. Be faithful with what God has given you. Because if you're not, if you're saying it, it doesn't really mean anything, I'm going to just try my best. Jesus gave you his best. So we should give him our best and not say, well, God, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with my stuff right now. I'll come to you when I'm ready. The kingdom of God has been having revival. Because what if revival would happen across Chicago and you're not even committed to one-on-one? You'd be like, man, so much is happening. I'm just watching it happen. But you can literally change our city through the spirit of God because you're filled with him. But if you're not filled with the spirit of God, then you're just going to be watching it happen. So make the kingdom of God your priority. What about the heroes of the faith? What if Moses thought like that? Like, I'm going to just take the back seat. Well, God would have found someone else to lead his people out of Egypt. What if God told Abraham, you know, go to this land that I'm going to promise you and your ancestors. But then Abraham's like, you know what? I'll do that. But first, let me, go, let me go handle my business first. Let me go make some money first. Then he would have chose someone else that had faith. Noah, when he built the ark... God said, build an ark because I'm gonna flood the earth. What if Noah's like, no, hold on, man, I gotta, I gotta first plant the trees first, God, because I don't wanna take the trees off the earth and making excuses and excuses and excuses. How about after Jesus resurrected and Jesus said, I'm just waiting the city for the for the falling of my spirit in the upper room? Just wait. What if Peter was like, Yeah, you know what, I gotta I got go back to work, Jesus? Jesus would have chosen someone else. The kingdom of God will go on with or without your faithfulness. But if you're faithful to the kingdom of God, he will, he will use you for mighty things upon our, all over our city, all over our nation. God will use you. So my encouragement is don't just be on the sideline looking in be like, that's awesome. You're an awesome pastor. You're an awesome leader. It's your time to step up. The time is now because if Jesus comes back tomorrow or you die tomorrow, will you hear my good and faithful servant? Well done. If we don't make God wait and then we start obeying, people's cultures and nations and cities can change when we obey. Let's talk about this third man, amen? The third man, and we're going to go to the scripture. I'm going to give you the scripture now. Matthew 13, verse 3. The third man, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. That was a third man. What did Jesus say? No one who puts, his, puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Again, if Jesus was looking for followers in numbers, he would have been like, okay, sure, I'll be here waiting for you. you know? I'll be here waiting whenever you get back after you say goodbye to your family. But Jesus was trying to take people's physical ideas about the kingdom of God and say it's more spiritual than that. Because you have to have this sense of urgency that the wrath of God is coming... And if we're not stepping up to be the people of God to warn people about this wrath, then we're not understanding the kingdom of God. If people want to put stuff before God, excuses, family, and all this stuff, we're not fit for service then. It's no wonder why the world laughs at, at Christians and churches because we don't even take our own master serious. Because we were just so focused on ourselves and this message about about God is just caring about the here and now and making our lives better is a lie from the enemy. If the devil could have Christians believe, oh, that kingdom stuff? No, don't worry about that. God's going to take care of you now. He's going to get you that job and that money and all that stuff. Then people are believing such a shallow idea about the kingdom of God focused on the physical things. But it's time for us to understand true kingdom citizens and ambassadors are the selfless few that say, I want to change my city, I want to change my culture, I want to change, I want to change nations for Jesus. Let's go to that verse, Matthew 13, 3. Then he, told many, then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up, Some fell into rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up, and it choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now let's jump down to verse 18. Let's see what Jesus has to say about that. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears a message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. Think about this. Like I just said, the devil wants to just confuse people about what the kingdom of God is. If, if you could be confused about what the kingdom of God is, then you're, in the, then you're in the devil's place. Let's rebuke that. Let's learn how. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once, receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes of the word, of the word they quickly fall away. I want to stop there because this, this explains that person that puts their hand to the plow and looks back. There's other people referred to in that parable. People who just get excited and, and, and uh, withers away fast or the enemy snatches that kingdom of God message. Or the person that gets choked out from living a good life and they just let the problems of life just make them say, oh, it's not worth it, forget it. No, I want to refer to this person because the person that wants to say, yes, Jesus, I'm willing to follow you wherever you go. I'm here with Jesus. I'm ready to go, Jesus. I'm ready to say yes. I'm ready to follow you wherever you may go. But then they want to take stuff with them. They want to take stuff of this world with them. They're not going to make it a long time. And us, if we say, Jesus, I'm ready, but we want to take stuff with us, we're not really understanding what the kingdom of God is like. Like I said, the selfless few are the kingdom citizens and ambassadors. We don't take none with us of the world. We got to give that up. Because what is Jesus requiring? That we put our hand to the plow and continue working this field until he comes back or that we or we die. Go back. Why would anybody go back to their sinful, wretched, dirty, dry way of life, because that enemy wants to confuse us. Or your flesh just wants it again, and you don't know how to spend time with Jesus to deny your flesh. You see, when Jesus spoke to his 12 and he invited them to leave too, he's like, you want to go too? They said, well, we have nowhere else to go. Why do you think they said that? Because they were with Jesus. They spent time with Jesus. They knew who their Jesus was. These these uh, seeker-sensitive men, the self self-centered people, the 5,000 men, they just wanted their fill. They just wanted Jesus to give them what they wanted. But see, Peter and the rest of the 12 spent time with Jesus. And the people that spent time with Jesus say, you know what? Forget what I was investing in because I wasted so much time in the world, y'all. And I didn't even do that much bad stuff. Like I didn't get into half the stuff some of you guys got into. But I, I I spent enough time working for the devil in his kingdom, living a sinful life, and approving of those who did them. I spent enough time throwing my life away than to give Jesus un poquito. Like, Jesus, you can have this. Isn't that good enough? You can have church on Sundays, God. Oh, God, you can have 101, but 201, I'm not ready for yet. All you have to do is follow Jesus, He'll make you ready. Deny yourself, He'll make you ready. But we shouldn't have. We should not have those divided interests, and we're just putting our hand to the plow and we're looking back. Like what? A, like this ain't worth it. I want to go back to my old way of life. You're not understanding the kingdom, because you would understand that this kingdom is eternal. And when trouble or persecution comes, I'm not gonna fall away, because I know that the wrath of God is real. My family members, my friends in the world are going to hell. People that I know at my job are going to hell. And they're just looking for ways to laugh at you. Oh, you're a Christian? Looking for ways. They just can't wait to get a Christian caught up in in, in what they say or how they act. Oh, you're a Christian? And you get more conviction from that than the Holy Spirit. People are looking for ways to laugh at us. And it's no wonder when we say, yeah, Jesus, I'm putting my hand to the plow. I'm ready to go. And then you fall away. Yeah, Jesus, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to change, change this city for you. And then you fall away. Whether it's silly things like sin, whether it's silly things like friends you have in the world, or whether it's silly things like persecution comes, you're like, nah, forget it. I was better off before Jesus. I was better off. See, the thing is, Jesus ain't going to wait for you then. Yes, God is patient, but one day Jesus will come back. And if you're not with him, you're going to be left behind. Because you decided that it was better to save your life than to lose it for Jesus' sake. When Jesus says, if you actually lose your life... Here's my life, Jesus. Like, here's my life. I'm ready to lose it for your sake. He says, you'll find it. And once you find it, why would you go back to this, this trash? Why would you go back to such trash that the devil fed you? We're living this double life. Are we living a double life where we just keep on falling into sin? We can't get out of 201. We can't be a deacon. We can't even be faithful in ministry. We can't even preach the gospel. There's so many opportunities to share our faith in this church. Are we that selfish that we're not willing to say, Jesus, you deserve it? Let's understand the words of Jesus, the kingdom of God. We don't go back to filth. We're not like a dog that goes back to their vomit, and we're begging for scraps from the ground. We're kingdom ambassadors. We're kingdom citizens. We're not sinners. We're saints. We're not people that say, well, Jesus, what are you going to give me? Here, fill it up, God. Fill it up. Like, no. Fill me up, Jesus, so I can pour out. This place is not a place where we can hold on to earthly things while trying to do kingdom of God things. That's not what this place is for. Jesus is calling for full commitment, not full convenience. I'm telling you all. This is not about how much God can make your life convenience. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2. This is not about how much God can make your life a convenience. Make it easier. Lord, it's so hard. No. I'm willing to suffer for Jesus, first in the body and then out there in persecution. I'm ready to suffer because anyone who suffers in the body is done with sin. 2:15 1 John 2:15 do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life does not come from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires, the trash, passes away. Anybody, anybody fill up their trash bag and just put it on their shelf? That's how I see people who want to follow Jesus but carry their trash with them. I'm going to just leave it here, Jesus. I'm not ready to let it go. We, as humans, we don't put trash on our shelf and say this is the greatest trash ever. What the devil gave us in this world is trash. How are we who accepted Jesus and are ready to be kingdom ambassadors put our hand to the plow and say we're going back to the trash? Every time you fall back into sin, I've been serving God faithfully for 11 11 years, never have I went back to my trash. Never. Every time the thought comes up of going back to trash, I see it as trash. (laughs) Like, compared to what Jesus gave me, I see it as trash. And the Bible says he gives us everything we need to live a holy life. Which means if you're going back to trash, you weren't receiving that power from the Holy Spirit. If you want this, go ahead and have it. You're forfeiting eternal life. You're forfeiting your your role in the kingdom of God. You're forfeiting God's goodness because that's the devil's trash (laughs) that you like. Matthew 16, 24. Not going back to our trash. It's time for us to follow Jesus. Remember, 100% commitment. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Once again, my favorite messages are from here. From whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Like, Jesus, this trash is better than you. Like, that's literally what it, what it sounds like. It's filth. It's vomit. You go back to it, you're disgusting. You're, you don't even know who Jesus is. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. You put your hand to the plow, and you don't look back. You say, Jesus, I'm here to follow you, and it's a blessing to work for you because you didn't only give me salvation, you gave me everything I need to live a holy life. You gave me the tools I need to be a minister upon the earth to work this field I call Chicago. Work this field we call America. We're gonna we're gonna close out soon. Let's go to Ephesians two. Sorry I have a lot of scriptures, but I gotta, I gotta, I gotta tell the full story. Ephesians two. Still looking at trash, and I gotta park here on the sin because it's such a big disqualifier. And it could start with pride. You're saying you don't wanna spend time with the Lord or worship God. You don't wanna be here up at the front because you don't wanna be embarrassed. But that's literally like That's where deliverance happens. When we're willing to let go of our flesh, forget the flesh, I don't care who's watching me. I'm going to lift my hands, I'm going to to clap, and I'm going to sing even if I'm off key, right? As for you, you were dead in transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That's the devil, by the way. We once followed his ways, and he's still at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following his desires and thoughts. When I was in the world, I didn't think twice about what was right or wrong. I just knew it was wrong to slap your mom, and it was okay to to help your mom. That's all I knew, you know what I'm saying? Basic stuff. But I was in the world with them, doing the things they were doing, putting in work for the devil's kingdom but that's how I used to live like the rest I was deserving of wrath I was deserving of God's wrath because I was working for the devil's kingdom helping build it even though my contribution wasn't that big because I consider myself a good person and I wasn't shooting anybody right I still worked for the devil's kingdom Which is why it's so easy for me to say, forget the devil's kingdom and his trash. I'm going to go ahead and plow this field for Jesus. I'm putting my hands to the plow because to me, it's better to be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell with sinners. That's what it's like for me. Like the rest, I was deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness in Christ Jesus. If you hear that and you want to go back to your trash, that's on you. But that sounds like a great deal to me, that God exchanged his perfect life, put and sacrificed himself to give me that perfect life when I didn't deserve it. For it is by grace you have been saved. And this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God displayed by Jesus. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here's how I'm gonna paint this picture for y'all. We're not saved by putting our hands to the plow and working this field in ministry and making sure people understand the kingdom of God. We're saved by his grace. But God had prepared a field for us to work in. He prepared works in advance for us to do. You may not even know what your task is yet while you plow this field. But God has something for you to do in this field. We're working this field together. Every Christian working this field together so that we may save Chicago by the grace of God save America by the grace of God that's what we're all called to do but we were deserving of wrath to go back is foolish it's garbage so i think about this field because if you are calling yourself a christian you're not only not working in the field and trying to bring the kingdom of god to earth you are actually messing it up for those who are trying to work the field because if you're trying to put your hand to the plow and look back and you're just you're, you're, you're not doing your job and you're making the world look at Christianity like it's a joke, then we got to come back behind you and be like, well, they're not living right and they're not willing to listen to us. Because if you're living a double life, you're dealing with sin, but you're trying to put your hand to the plow, you're weak, you don't know how to get strength from God, and you're dealing with sin, you keep going back and forth, back and forth, you're messing up the field. You're making the church look like a joke. People would love to laugh at the church. They're already looking for ways, and how much more if they see someone calls themselves a Christian but are putting in work for the devil. You're making it harder for us to make a name for Jesus here upon in America, in Chicago. You're making it harder. Because people are like, I'm not even going to take you serious. You guys are always falling into sin. You guys are, your pastors are sleeping with, with secretaries and you guys don't know how to even obey your master when, you're, when your Lord said, go out and preach the gospel and make disciples. Why is it that every church in Chicago is not really making sh- uh, disciples? Why is it that it's so hard to find a church in Chicago that is making disciples when that is literally the task Jesus gave us? That's the task that Jesus gave us. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. If that's it, the world's going to laugh at us be like, man, you guys aren't even doing your job. You guys aren't even doing your job. Imagine you go to the doctor and they're just like, yeah, you're fine and your limb is hanging off. Like the doctor won't be doing their job. And so you laugh at someone like that, like, man, you don't even take your own God serious. Why should I take you serious? That's why I said, for us who are plowing the field, understand the kingdom of God, it gets better to suffer for Jesus than anything else. It's a joke if you say you're also following Jesus, but you keep on turning back. You keep on going back to your trash, the filth of this world, putting in work for the devil. Daryl, if you could come, please, as we get ready to close. If you want to be a kingdom resident, a kingdom ambassador, kingdom of God, if you want to be a kingdom worker, you have to be kingdom focused. You got to learn how to put your hand to the plow and don't look back because the devil would want nothing more for you to get caught up in your own selfish desires and look back. Your own selfish desires that say, no, I'm not ready to lose my life for Jesus. I'm ready to just forget it. It's not worth it. Don't be like the first man. And I wanted Jesus to cater to him and not understanding the eternal aspects of the kingdom. You just wanted Jesus to help you here and now. Make it happen, Jesus. Don't be like that first man. Build God's kingdom, not yours. Make the kingdom of God your priority. Don't, don't just sit in the back and wait and make your job and everything, every excuse in the book your priority. And you don't want to commit yourself 100% to God. Maybe that's how we see revival in Chicago. When we get kingdom-focused citizens, kingdom-focused ambassadors, where it doesn't matter what may happen to us, we're saying, I'm, I'm here for life, Jesus. Where am I going to go? Am I going to go back to my trash? Maybe that's how revival happens. When the people of God say, forget this trash. I'm pursuing you, Jesus, and I'm putting my hand to the plow, and I'm not looking back because it's worthy. It's an honor to work this field. It's not to work this field with you, Jesus. And he didn't even leave us alone on the field. He did not leave us alone. He is with us, working the field with us, getting our hands dirty in the things of the world, but being clean, getting our hands dirty and and taking middle fingers and taking spits and taking all that stuff for the sake of Jesus. Jesus is right there with you. He took spits. He took nails. He took the crown of thorns. He took all that. He said, I am with you to the very end of the age. So while you're plowing that field, don't look back. Look at Jesus. He's right there with you. I want you guys to get that picture. Get that picture in your mind. You're plowing the field with Jesus, and instead of looking to the Lord, and he's right there next to you, he's like, you got it. You got it, Daryl. And then you turn back like, forget it. I'm going back. What you have for me, Jesus ain't enough. I'm going back to what the devil had for me. And then Jesus is like, well, someone else will get it then. Jesus already done everything for you. Came down to earth from heaven, left his throne, was raised by his own creation, died upon a cross, a death he didn't deserve so that you can have everything you need, salvation, and and the power of the Holy Spirit to work this field until he comes back. Beautiful thing. So don't be like the man that just takes the back seat and don't look back. One of our closing verses in, is in Matthew seven twenty one. Don't go there, fellows. Go to Matthew six twenty seven. I'm just going to read this. Matthew seven twenty one. Your verse is Matthew six twenty seven. Jesus says this: Not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord," will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, "Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles?" Then I will plainly tell them, away from me, you evildoers. You may have your hand on that plow, but you keep looking back, messing up the field. Then we got to work harder behind you. Don't just come to church. Let me just tell you, this church right here, this is not the end all be all. This is literally the training grounds and the field is out there. I think so often we just think, man, I got to go to church, get my life right. And we think that's it. Like, just get my life right. No, no. This is the boot camp. This is the training grounds where God gives us the weapons and everything we need to go and do the field. The tools, whether we're to till or sow. that this is where we get it. We get discipled. We get trained up. We get taught. we We get a new life, yes, but we also get men and women of God in our lives. And we become spiritual fathers and mothers to people who also need to hear it. And soldiers are made here. The reason why people don't even want to come to Jesus is because they don't understand their need for Jesus. They think, oh, well, my life is good. There's no need to go to church because when they turn on the TV and they see a church service, it's all about you, uh, your, your your sad life becoming a happy life through Jesus. It's no wonder they don't know their need for Jesus because if they associate me, a gospel preacher, they're thinking of prosperity gospel when I come up to them. Like, here's Jesus. He'll He'll help your life. Like, that's not what it's about. Jesus will give you life cuz you're dead right now. That's literally what we go out. That's what we do. But this church right here, many churches around the world, they understand that this is the training ground. This is the time where we say, "I'm going to put all in. I'm going to be a deacon. I'm going to be an elder. I'm going to be a pastor whatever it may be so that many could come to know Jesus." Cuz we don't want to be laughed at as Christians. So let's not, let's just not be church focused. This verse in in Matthew 6, 27. Can any one of you by worrying, receive this, y'all. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Words of Jesus, it's read. Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or, or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will He not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Focused on the physical again. Or what shall we wear? Focused on the physical again. Just like foxes have dens and birds have nests. Oh, where are we going to lay our head? Where, where, where are we going to sleep? What are we going to eat? Where are we going to drink? See, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus is speaking about kingdom things, not our kingdom, His kingdom. Amen. For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the ki- His kingdom, seek first His kingdom, and and His righteousness. Living holy lives. Don't just seek first His kingdom with your trash baggage. You're just like man. I'm taking it with me. Jesus, like no. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Be holy. He's given you everything you need to do it. And all these things, all the physical things you need your fill, your job, your, your relationships, everything will be added unto you. Added unto what? Added unto the eternal things you already have. Added unto the, the, the great things you have and understanding about the kingdom. This will be added unto you because pagans all they care about is the physical things but the children of God we're not going to just focus on the physical things we're going to focus on his kingdom and allow him to add unto our lives the goodness of God add unto our lives all the good things I have in my life it's not because I was so busy pursuing them putting God on hold no I said, I'm walking with you, Jesus. I'm plowing this field with you, Jesus. And he's like, Rudy, I know what you need. He's going to give it to me. I'm going to add it to you. I'm going to add it to you. I'm going to add it to you. Because you're here in the field, Rudy. You're here in the field. You're here in the field. It's a blessing to be in the field. Let's all stand to our feet. And altar workers, you can come as well. And the band. Altar workers band. And feet can stand or we can stand with our feet amen but seek first his kingdom the most the blessed the most blessed thing we can do seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own this is a call to people who call themselves christian or if you're here today and you haven't even made it right with god This is your call as well, because I have to daily die to myself. It's not like I got it all together. I got to daily die to myself. But this is the joy of my heart. The joy of my heart is to plow this field with Jesus and never turn back to my trashy, devilish, wicked ways of life. And I don't take trash with me because I'm making it worse for the church I'm making it worse for the church to be like, man, you know, that, that leader, he was our pastor. Now he's caught in adultery. I'm making it worse because that pastor or leader decided to take sin with them. This is a call for us to repent. Repentance means to change your mind. Change your mind from the physical things of this world and start seeking the eternal, spiritual things of the kingdom. This is what it's about. It's about now to say, God, I'm done. God, I've wasted too much time and I feel like I'm still wasting time. I feel like I'm wasting my life because I'm not living an honest life. The time is now. Stop playing games with God like you got forever in a day to, to get right with God. Or like you got forever in a day to just think that God is just here to make your life a, a, a pleasant pillow. Right now, put in that work. God, prepared those works for you to do. Not to be saved, but to bring his kingdom to earth. So if you need to get right with God, now is your time. Get right with God. Because the Bible does talk about his wrath, that he's coming. And his wrath will be poured out. And if you do not have Jesus in your life, and if you're not plowing this field, if you don't even have a sense of who God is, because all you think, is, all you think Jesus is is someone that wants to give you physical things, then you need to repent. Because you've been told today now that Jesus is more than that. His kingdom is more than that. Repent today. Come to Jesus, receive eternal life. And if you've been wasting your time, this is a call for you to say, I'm done. I'm done wasting my time. I'm gonna give Jesus my best, not my scraps. I'm gonna give Jesus my all. I'm gonna be on time. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be here at these altars worshiping. I wanna be set free. And sometimes to be set free, we gotta say, flesh, forget you if you're too nervous to be up at the front. We gotta say, I'm gonna start dancing tell you, so much freedom happens when we let go. So much freedom. Because it starts with putting our hands up. Forget about who's watching you. And be set free. It starts there. Then you learn how to not give your flesh what it wants. Because the more you stay in the back row, and they're calling for you to come to the front, the more you stay in the back row, that's the more you're saying, I don't need to be up there. Pride. The more you stay in the back just saying, I don't need to be up there worshiping God. I can worship God here pride there's leaders in this church that know what freedom looks like and how they got it and if you've been going back and forth to sin this is a call for repentance for that as well if you just can't seem to get it right if you're living a double life come and get prayer because tomorrow's not promised you could wait forever in the day but if you do not make it right with God if you don't stop going back to your trash then trash is what you'll get you reap what you sow. So let me pray, and then we could. you guys can come up for prayer if you guys need prayer for any of those things. If you need to repent, if you need to get right with God, if you need to say enough is enough, we have leaders up here to pray for you, with you. Jesus is with you. Jesus does not desire that you perish. Jesus does not desire that you go back to your filth. If you go back to sin and, and trash, that's your decision. But he's given you more than that. Hallelujah, Jesus. That you are God and we are not. Thank you, Jesus, that we've been giving everything we need for a holy life. We've been given eternal life. You've been give, you've given us your spirit, God, an advocate to help us turn away from wicked ways, Lord. To have us have a new life in you. Jesus, I pray for those in this room that are still struggling to even get past 101 or 201, God. That you'll put a fire over them, Lord. That you will reveal yourself to them in an amazing way where they don't want to be stuck on the physical things of this world. But God, they will be challenged to seek you, Lord. Seek first your kingdom and not be focused on where they can lay their head. Be focused on what they need to do or be focused on what they'll eat or drink. But Lord, that they'll trust you and you'll give us everything we need for a holy life. You'll give us everything we need. God, there's, no, there's not a amount of deed we can do to say thank you, God. There's nothing we can do to inherit eternal life. But Lord, I pray that we will consider it an honor and a blessing to bring your kingdom down to earth, Lord. Because it's your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not my kingdom come, Lord. You're not working for my kingdom, God. We're working for your kingdom, oh Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus.